When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. This was a situation where I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, midway through February, did something that a lot of teams didn't. They recognized that Tom Brady was serious about free agency. And one of the things that's uh, especially interesting is the Bucks, at one point, were getting a little antsy. They weren't trying to pressure uh, anything... It within internally when it came to going after another quarterback, but they did recognize if they felt like they weren't going to get Brady during the early stages of free agency, they needed to start crafting other plans. All right, welcome into Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels, and uh, this is our first show ever in the Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer era. So, Sage. 2020. 2020, I'm telling you what. I know, it's crazy. It is insane. Give me uh, your reaction. In March, too. I'm a March birthday. And uh, it's been quite the interesting couple days. Uh, Tom Brady, of course, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And, you know, on, like, Twitter and stuff, they put him in, like, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform, and it just looks terrible. <laughs> like, it would be cool to see Tom Worst uniform in sports unless they go like, back to the creamsicle. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, the powder blue in the new stadium or just something, you know, but this, cause I really can't stand this Bucks uniform. I think it's part of the reason, like, I don't, haven't watched much, much uh, Bucks football over the last few years. They haven't been very good. Jameis Winston throws a ton of interceptions, but they love throwing the football. Uh, I believe Winston led the NFL in passing yards this year. He did. So they are not a dink and dunk, hand it off and play defense type of team. Uh, they like to push the ball on the field. Now, t- uh, Brady does have a very strong arm. He's, he's accurate, but he is not a guy that likes to hold on to the football. He does on play action. But on underneath stuff, one of his greatest strengths is getting the ball out quick on some short crossing routes, and and uh, uh, he, is, he obviously has the accuracy and he reads the reads the coverage. But he is not a guy that holds on to the football, you know, all that long, unless he really has to. A third and long situation, he's so good at moving around the pocket. But this offense and how it's going to mold, and I love, I, I like the Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is a guy who has a great offensive mind, and I think he's also smart enough to realize who he has. At quarterback, and you know this football team number, you know, but one number one, sorry, one of the number one things that screwed them up last year was the turnovers by Winston, and Brady is not a high turnover guy, 
So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will, you know, should be a, a much improved football team, in my opinion, at least as far as winning football games. So how much of an improvement is it turnover-wise? Mm-hmm. Well, Sage, lucky you, I have the exact numbers. Of uh, you do. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year led the NFL with 41 turnovers, which means they turned the ball mm-hmm. over on 20% of their total drives. So one out of every five drives, they were either fumbling it away, which a lot was Jameis, or throwing it away. The Patriots, with Tom Brady, they ranked 30th in turnovers in a good way with only 15 and turned the ball over on just 7% of their drives. So 7 out of 100 was <laughs> as now, opposed to 20 out of 100 drives for Tom Brady and the Patriots. I'd like you to see how quickly uh, you can pull up the stat and they have obviously 0-0 zero, zero, you know, as far as balance turnover ratio, win-loss turnover ratio. If it's even, obviously it's fifty-fifty. If it's a plus one for one team, there's a there's a there's a list somewhere. If it's plus one for one team, it goes up to like sixty-five thirty-five. If it's plus two, it's like eighty-three seventeen. Plus three, you have like a seven percent chance of winning the game, uh, or, or you know, or whatever. So, um, uh, or seven percent of, lo- uh, of losing that game. So it's you know these huge turnovers are so important, and it's I know it's. Not fun because it's not like, well, the team that has the most big plays is the team that wins the football games or the team that does this. It's turnovers are the, one of the you know single most handed, uh, uh, handle, handling important statistics of all the statistics that we talk about. And Tom doesn't do it, and he's been great at it for a long time. It's a part of his expertise is to understand that the games are marathons and you can, you can take chances later on and, and, and all those types of things. He doesn't uh, fumble a lot and and he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. And so, uh, you know, that is critical to win football games. And maybe the, of all the reasons, the number one reason he's won so many games over the course of the last 20 years. So I've got some data, but, I mean, it all says the same things that you would think, that uh, teams that commit zero turnovers win 70% of the time uh, would be one to start with. And that's the thing with the Patriots last year. They turned it over less than once Per game. So even if Tom Brady is not gunning it 40 yards down the field, uh, that he can still be effective. Now, think about this. They turned it over 41 times. If you told me before the season, hey, a team's going to turn over 41 times, how many wins do you think they'll have? I'd say three? Yeah, no. it's going it's to be one nine. of those really bad football teams. They no, they nine. were. That's the, that's the thing is... You know, Tampa Bay, I think for a lot of people, you know, people were excited like, oh, maybe San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan and that football team. And he's going back home and the Chargers and the new stadium or this team. And and I think that, you know, I probably never gave Tampa great consideration because I was like, you know, does he really want to end up with the Bucks? You know, like <laughs> yeah. one of the worst yeah. franchises in a small market. And then you start to go, well. You know, Bruce Arians is a creative guy, and I think he's probably an easy guy to get along. And whatever Tom really wants to do, Tom will want to do. And and uh, and, and defensively, they got supposedly got some good players over there. So it, it is a football team, you know, in a, an interesting division. Obviously, you know, with Tampa, they got uh, uh, Atlanta and Matt Ryan, right? They got the, the Saints and they got the Panthers. So, you know, warm weather. You know, as you get older, you like to have that warm weather. That's going to be nice in his career. Almost all those teams are playing in pretty warm weather, obviously. So it's a really, really interesting combination. You take that team that had nine wins, that was the worst in the NFL turnovers, and you put, you know, one, the, the greatest quarterback of all time on it. That could be easily be 11 to 12. 
uh, and definitely you know the playoff experience and those types of things. That team is going to be a very whoever works for like ESPN or NFL Network and covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We will all know their name in the coming <laughs> weeks and months ahead. Uh, you're right about that. Uh, let me just quickly call up on Pro Football Focus the grades for wide receivers because I want to demonstrate how vastly improved his supporting cast is. Last year, just by their grades, Chris Godwin was the number one receiver in the entire NFL, and Mike Evans was the fifth best in the NFL. And the top receiver for and we the... Were, we, we didn't talk about it because the team just wasn't interesting. Yeah. Right? Yep. I mean... Uh, and again, you know, they're of course like you know the other side of the country and the division that we don't get to watch a lot. But they just they weren't a team that had a lot of primetime games. But those receivers are studs. It it does check. You know, Jeff Darlington of ESPN had a list of like it checks these boxes. Mm-hmm. He wanted us, I believe, stay on the East Coast, uh, better weather, uh, and and good talent around him, and, and indeed, you know, all these different things and. This is going to be. This is a. You know, the more you look at it, the more this says this is a great spot, and and of course to revive that fan base. Um, hopefully, they get off the beach in Clearwater and go chill out <laughs> for a second. But maybe in a few months, hopefully, that uh, everyone buys all these tickets online. We can go watch. Uh, you know, Tom Brady with the with the Buccaneers. The schedule has not come out yet. That's always fun too. We haven't even gotten to that part, but you know, you know exactly who they play uh, or, or whatever. So I think actually they know who they play. So it's really interesting where they're going to put those games on Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football or the first weekend of the year. You know, all those types of things. I know he plays. Uh, uh, you know, Pat Mahomes in some game that'd be a nice one to kick off the season with. You know, Pat Mahomes, Tom Brady, or you know how they all do that. So you're going to be a really interesting season with that signing. And uh, I I like the. I like them as an 11-win football team. If you just look at what they did last year and you change that turnover thing and you add Tom and, and those types of things, they might. I, I'm never into passing for the most yards. That, to me, is a losing strategy for the most part. It, it, you know, it gets teams so far sometimes, but usually at the end of the day, you got protect the football and you got play good defense when it really matters and, and those types of things. And so this is going to make the Bucks. A, a, I would say, a very quick contender. And one of the reasons is, because the Patriots just got way worse. Yes. I mean, yeah. what are the Patriots going to do, right? Everyone thinks, well, it's you know, it's going to be Kansas City, Baltimore. The Patriots have been there, well, not without Tom Brady. So this changes the entire conversation, you know, all over the place. I, I who's the best quarterback in the AFC East right now? By the way, you got Ryan Fitzpatrick. Hmm. I think it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't believe Josh I'm Allen. Really, not a Sam Darnold believer. Okay, so I mean, is it Fitz magic? I mean, wow, that division has <laughs> I think it fallen. Might be. You know, uh, from, really uh, from listen, I played in that division in 2002. I was at the beginning of this dang thing, and it's like, oh, no, the worst part about it is when we knew how great Tom Brady was because <laughs> he'd beat us and he'd be clutch and come back in these games in bad weather and just compete in that division. You know, we were 9-7 and seven a couple times, 10-6, and six, and but you, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't beat the Patriots. And uh, it, everyone was like, and the worst part about it is that Tom Brady is in, like, his fifth season, his sixth season. Like, he's going to get so good for so long, <laughs> you know, and it has. It's and been we had 20, no idea that it would even be this long. 20 years, 20 years, and he has changed the position. Uh, I love the way he has, uh, there's a way to play for a long time. It's like being a great skater, like Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky is not, I know he's a great athlete, but 
you know, he's not imposing or anything like that, but, you know, a, a great skater. Uh, and, uh, and, and Brady was the, is the, well, you know, the same way and go 20 years to stay healthy for the most part and take care of his body and his throwing motion the way he can throw the football. And in terrible weather, how many terrible weather games have we seen Tom Brady play in, you know, in November, December, January, shoot, even October probably sometimes of like 50 and raining in Boston, you know, so it's, it's going to be a whole new experience for him. And I'm, I'm really intrigued by what's, I'm usually not, you know, I try to overhype things, you know, but uh, this really excites me. I'm looking forward to watching Tampa Bay Bucks play, maybe getting getting to know some of the other guys on this football team, like these two wide receivers. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That uh, I think everybody will know the Bucks roster by the end of the year. All right, now we're going to switch gears a little bit here and bring in Brandon Thorne to the conversation. He is considered the O line guy for our show, but technically he writes for the Athletic, uh, covering the Denver Broncos, and does the uh, amazing Trench Warfare podcast that dives deeper into offensive line play than you ever thought you wanted in your life and it's amazing brandon what's going on buddy hey not too much matt thanks for having me on let's start first with linval joseph he signs with the los angeles chargers and now also a report today that everson griffin might not return to the minnesota vikings give us your take on uh, we'll start out on the defensive line side how the vikings can rework this defensive line when they've had these two players as stalwarts for such a long time yeah, I mean, those are two key parts to the defense for sure, and they're both pretty unique players. I mean, there's a couple run stoppers that are still available in free agency that can sort of replace what Linval did, but um, still Linval, I think, was unique, you know, nonetheless. Not so much what he could do as, you know, as a pass rusher. He could push the pocket a little bit, but just the way he controlled things on the interior of the defensive line um, just using, you know, that length that he has and that power, strength, and just his all-out just kind of tenacity on the field, the way he pursued the ball uh, in pursuit. He was a great tackler, um, just did a lot of little things, you know, that I think a lot of people kind of overlook pretty easily. He's a guy that we talked a lot about at Offensive Line Masterminds the last two years that we've had that. There's just a really widespread respect for him across the NFL in terms of offensive linemen, and he's the guy that a lot of guys struggle with. Uh, so, And I still think that that's the case, although he's you know, clearly at the end of his career at this point. He probably has another year or two of that high-level play left, but you know, they, they say that getting rid of a guy a year to you know a year early is a better better than a year late and i think that might be a little bit of the case here with joseph but i think he definitely has at least one more year left of, of high level play um so it's going to be tough to replace him uh, you just don't really replace a guy like that and then obviously he also was a strong presence in the locker room and things like that as well so it's probably going to be uh, something that is that needs to be done by committee, I think. You know, I don't know if one guy is going to come in there necessarily and, and just kind of replace him right away. So you'll look at maybe some guys on the roster that can step up and maybe one of these other a little bit lesser of a run stopper out there, maybe that might be a possibility. Uh, there, there are some really good ones, though, um, that are really close to Linval. I think a guy like Michael Pierce is, is way up there in terms of run stopping. Um, Andrew Billings is kind of a traditional nose tackle, big, huge dude who can come in and be a pretty you know, good run stopper. Uh, Ashawn Robinson, possibly as well. Mike Pennell. So that's kind of a range of different guys there that are 
possibilities in free agency, um, but maybe they just want to go younger in the draft. So that'll be interesting to see how they replace him. And then Everson Griffin uh, is a guy who is extremely, I mean, he's just one of the more explosive edge rushers in the league and a guy who has a lot of really refined pass rush moves and somebody who formed, in my opinion, the best defensive end tandem in the NFL with Neil Hunter on the other side. So uh, obviously losing him is a would be a pretty big loss as well. Um, but I still think he, he, he can get it done at a high level for another few years as well. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, it, it's changing in the guard in a lot of ways for sure for that defensive line, which I think was the strength of the defense for the last several years, really. Hey, Brandon, this is Sage Rosenfels here. Do you think – uh, that it was more about that they had high salaries without elite production uh, as to why they you know, you know are, are no longer on the football team or you know could you could you point to anything specific that you've seen let's just say from Linville uh, over the last you know his career obviously he's a you know a big guy a big presence he's been strong he's athletic he's smart he's sort he's crafty he sort of has you know has he like lost a step as he lost some of that sort of the ability to take on the double teams and so he gets pushed a little bit more just not as active in the the pass rush game as he as he sort of once was and as he lost some of that strength like what have you seen on film of Linth- uh, of Linville uh, and or Everson that maybe they're 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 not as elite as they were cuz obviously they don't grade out and uh, Lin- Linville you know graded out maybe in the the lower 20s as far as the 32 guys that his position on, on you know on some of these grades and so you know what have you seen i guess uh, over the course of the last couple of years that would you know i guess not worth his salary yeah so with with linval I, I think last year he did take a little bit of a step back from 2018 where i thought he was excellent uh you know it, i think part of that is probably due to some of the injuries that he dealt with as well. And you know, obviously getting up in age makes it more difficult for guys to deal with those things. I know he had multiple off-season surgeries prior to the 2019 season, and he dealt with a knee injury last year as well. I believe he had surgery mid-season as well on his knee, um, a cleanup, I think a meniscus. Um, so those things certainly affected his play, I think, and limited some of the things that he normally does at an elite level, such as, like you mentioned, taking on double teams and pushing the pocket a little bit more than he was able to do. So I did see a little bit of that drop-off in him in 2019, for sure. Um, Still a good player, uh, maybe not that elite nose tackle that he was. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, Minnesota may, you know, for maybe different reasons, but they saw that or they felt that he wouldn't be able to regain that 2018 form at this point, maybe given his age and you know, what they know about him. But, um, you know, I still think if, you know, it's only two years away that he was elite and last year he was still pretty good considering all that stuff that he was dealing with with his body. So I think for the Chargers who desperately needed somebody in the middle of their defense and Brandon Mibain has kind of fallen off uh, recently, uh, they really needed somebody to come in there and take up some attention on the interior to further free up guys like Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. Um, so I think it was a really good signing for them, but I do think that that's probably why Minnesota moved on from him, just all that kind of that was going on with him and maybe not thinking he's going to regain all of it. And then Everson Griffin, to me, I don't know what the grades were, uh, but as far as on film, to me, I thought, I mean, he came you know, out, week one and was phenomenal um, from what I saw. And, you know, maybe towards the end of the year wasn't 
you know, quite the same as he was in the beginning, but I still think he's a very good defensive end in the NFL and he's a significant threat as a pass rusher. Now, you know, I don't know if, you know, there's something there with his body or anything like that. I know he's had other issues as well, but um, in my opinion, I didn't see as much of a drop off in him as I did Linval last year. Uh, but, uh, you know, so I still think, I still think Everson Griffin is an impact type of guy, um, you know, for wherever he winds up, for sure, at least for the next year or two. So it sort of sounds like to me, Linville may be, uh, may be less about, uh, more about his production and Everson possibly just the salary, and he still has a lot of quality game left. And, and you know, I, I think he'll be playing somewhere next year, probably for a good amount of money still. So. Um, you know, it's been. Uh, you see the Vikings trying to draft guys. You see some guys behind them. You think can slide in and try to fill that Everson role at a, an expensive salary. I, that's a major issue with the Vikings right now is trying to figure out ways to get some salaries so they can sign some guys. And so, do you see some younger guys maybe on this roster that could fill either one of those roles? Um, I mean, I know Weatherly, the defensive end. I've, I've seen him a little bit. I haven't really studied him in depth last year at least but yeah, I Carolina signed in. Brandon Carolina signed Weatherly away from them they wanted to keep him but Carolina just signed him uh, oh, yesterday okay. well that was a uh, possibly a candidate to replace Everson Griffin um, without him in the mix there's nobody that I can think of I'm looking at the roster right now nobody I've seen nobody's flashed when I've studied other guys on tape or anything like that that can really step in and you know take you know, Everson Griffin's place, uh, you know, anywhere near what he was doing. Um, so unless there's somebody there I don't know about. So I would think that a draft pick or, you know, if they could free up enough cap space to sign somebody, there's, there's you know, obviously some high-name edge rushers with Everson Griffin like Clowney and, you know, Fowler just signed. But some lesser guys, I mean, I don't know, you can maybe take a flyer on somebody like Ezekiel Ansah. I don't know if he'll ever be healthy again, though. He's been kind of... You know, struggling for the last couple of years. Uh, Adrian Claiborne is a guy who's, you know, a serviceable rotational rusher. But there's nobody that I see in free agency, especially if you're not able to spend money that can replace Everson Griffin. So I think that's going to have to come via the draft. And, and, you know, I, I do feel pretty good about them being able to develop defensive linemen, obviously with the coaching that they have in place and their track record of development is outstanding on the defensive line. Um, so, and just the defense in general, even though I know they lost a couple of coaches still with Zimmer in place, uh, I think that there's probably a pretty good chance they can extract a lot of production given, you know, the draft slot of whoever they're probably going to add to the defensive line. So I feel pretty good there. And then, um, you know, for, you know, but still not replacing Griffin, uh, at least in 2020, that, that's hard to see. Uh, and then as far as Linval, I mean, I don't really see – Anybody who's gonna, you know, step in that's on the roster and come close to what Linval was, maybe a, a little bit. Like I know Shamar Steven is a pretty good player, but he's a different type of player as well. He's, you know, a lot smaller weight wise than Joseph, and you know, I don't know if he's a, really a true nose tackle. Uh, Jaleel Johnson, same thing. I don't really see him as a nose tackle either. Uh, so. Yeah, I think you're probably going to have to go outside via the draft and free agency and just try to sign what you can and uh, rely on the coaching to kind of, you know, bridge that gap, you know, for the rest and uh, maybe just get get a guy in the program, you know, and just try to start developing somebody there. Talking with Brandon Thorne, the Trench Warfare podcast, also writes for The Athletic Denver. Um, 
Brandon, the offensive line of the Vikings was better, got a lot of help from Koobs and Rick Dennison, but not anywhere near good enough for a quarterback who holds the ball as long as Kirk Cousins. So what should they do here? I mean, they can let go of Riley Reef and get themselves $8 million in cap space. Uh, Pat Elfline, I think, proved that he's probably never going to get back to where we thought he was going to go in 2017. It is a tough transition to guard, but if you're trying to win, it's hard to have a guy who can't pass block at left guard. So I think they need to improve there. Uh, This draft appears to be very, very good for left tackles. Should they go in that direction with so little money to use um, because of this uh, being one of the strengths of the draft? Yeah, that would make sense. Um, You know, because of, the contract side of things and locking a guy in for four or five years at a reasonable price and trying to get him to develop like they've done with Brian O'Neill, that would be probably the way to go. And then that gives you options. You could potentially move Riley Reef inside and let him finish out his career there. Or you could just move on altogether and then try to also add another guard to the mix or maybe somebody that, you know, like a Drew Samia, you know, takes to the program this off season and, you know, kind of puts himself more in line uh, to, to get a crack at a job or, you know, get to get into the rotation training camp, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I think ideally you'd probably want to draft a guy, though, because the class is so deep and uh, such a such a good class uh, for the position. So that would make sense to me. Uh, to, to draft another tackle, and then that gives you more options. Um, so that, to me, would probably be the best route to go, um, just considering I think you'd probably have to spend a lot of money on a, a solid or better offensive lineman in free agency, as we've seen. Guys are getting paid quite a bit right now just because the the supply doesn't, re- doesn't really meet the demand in terms of offensive line play in the NFL right now. I don't know how closely you've studied everyone yet because we're still a ways away from the draft, still a month and a half, but is there a draft prospect that has particularly caught your eye that the Vikings might think about trading up to potentially get? Somebody that would be a huge impact difference maker at the left tackle position, possibly even right away in this draft? I think somebody like Andrew Thomas could fill that for you guys. He's somebody who initially in the process kind of started as you know, like the the top tackle in the draft, but then since then, guys like Mackay Becton and um, Jedrick Wills, uh, you know, those two guys in particular, I think might be the first two tackles off the board. And then somebody like Thomas is somebody who might get pushed down a little bit, but still these guys, those three, and there's another guy um, who is escaping me right now uh, that that are probably going to be the first four tackles off the board. And then so possibly a trade up for somebody like Thomas, but then there's other tackles as well that I like a guy like Josh Jones from Houston. He's a guy who would make some sense there. He's more of a pass protector than a run blocker. He's kind of reminds me of Ryan Clady uh, back in the day for the Broncos. He's just a smooth guy in pass protection, has a nice pass set and does a nice job out there on an Island. Um, You know, granted he played for the university of Houston, so he didn't see a whole lot of competition there, but still, you know, he, he, he played well on tape for, for what he saw, and he's a guy, I think, who could sneak into the end of the first round, um, somebody who you may not have to trade up for. Uh, so those are two guys, I think, initially that just come to mind. Um, honestly, I'm not super deep into the draft class yet, and I don't think this year I will be uh, just because I'm so busy with free agents. And 
I'm doing a lot of NFL tape study, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. But those are a couple just to throw out there. All right, Brandon, always great stuff. The Trench Warfare podcast, you interview people in the industry, including great former players, great current players, uh, about offensive line play. It's outstanding. And plus, uh, you are covering Denver for The Athletic as well now, which is really cool. So always great to catch up with you. Follow him on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL. We'll do it again soon, buddy. All right, thanks for having me. Yep, take care. Brandon Thorne there. We're late for the break, so I'm going to jump right to that. And uh, when we return, Linval is gone. Everson might not come back. The Vikings do have a backup quarterback and a punter and a fullback. So those are some things that have happened. Uh, lots of options with Anthony Harris. Should they trade him? Should they extend him? What can they get? We'll discuss when we return. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels here on Purple Daily. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. And Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. The Score North Spring Auction is underway with great items up for grabs on home improvement, family fun, hunting, lodging, and more. To view all of the items and place your bid, visit scorenorth.com keyword auction caller. While that first segment was going on, I don't know if you noticed the news from NFL Network that they are giving away NFL Game Pass for free starting today that. until grind the end of May. Grind the tape, everybody. Grind the tape to we get can, yourself through this virus. We can all grind the tape together, and so we will all be more informed now that we all have NFL Game Pass until the end of May. That's your score with that one. That's just what I wanted to say. Also, tell you. your Vegas Raiders have signed yep. Eli Apple. We Good got another you. one. Got another defensive <laughs> we player. Indeed, Jonathan. <laughs> you and your Vegas Raiders. All right, Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels back here. On Purple Daily, uh, let's talk about Anthony Harris, Sage. One of the best safeties in the NFL last year, six interceptions. And yesterday, Ian Rappaport reported that the Vikings are looking for a trade and Cleveland seems to be involved. Um, You know, it's uh, nice to get draft assets back, but it's also really hard to replace good NFL players who took five years to develop into being that good. So I think if the Vikings can find a way to extend Anthony Harris and keep him around with a low cap hit right away, um, that's probably the most advantageous. Trading him away for a second or third round draft pick, I think, would feel like oh boy, this defense is going to have a tough time filling up their talent for next year. Well, I think the Vikings are going young, uh, in which sort of makes the move of re-signing Cousins to a longer deal interesting to me. Because it looks like to me, they're you know if, if they trade him, another veteran player, a guy really in his prime, and, and a guy who has gotten better, uh, but you know, but they feel like they probably can't or don't want to pay two safeties that much money, and, and they pay Harrison well, uh, well and and he plays really well. So uh, also not a surprise uh, that Cleveland is a team or the team that is the most interested in him. I've seen this many times when uh, a coach gets a head coaching job somewhere else. They look back. The first thing they do is they look back and they go, who on the team that I was just on or, or the last couple of years that I've worked with uh, is a free agent and, and because they know so much more about that guy uh, you know, in the locker room and how mm-hmm. he works yep. and, and how selfless he is. And he's seen that improvement and 
just whatever. Uh, you know, coaches love having the knowns, right? And and having a known commodity is worth more. So it's not surprising at all that Kevin Stefanski is, is very interested in having his services and and uh, and that team has a lot of offensive talent right now. Uh, they need an offensive line, uh, which it sounds like they got an offensive line also. Cleveland, I know we're talking about the Browns now, but, you know, always shoring up the defense. Uh, that would be, you know, he is the maybe the Harrison Smith more uh, of that defense, the well-paid safety on, on that defense, and Harrison Smith is in Minnesota. So uh, the Vikings are going to get some draft picks and to get some things this year, but they're going to have to have some hits and, uh, and, and hopefully sign some veterans later in free agency uh, uh, that, you know, aren't just sort of the scraps left off on the table. So uh, none of us are experts in, you know, sort of that level guys, guys that are maybe role players somewhere else or at the end of their prime somewhere else that you you think are going to have a huge impact on the Vikings. But, you know, you're pretty sure they're not going to go out and sign Jadavion Clowney to a, to a you know 150 million dollar deal <laughs> right. so uh you know we'll, we'll see what they do in the, in the coming weeks in the coming month well you called him potentially the harrison smith of someone else's defense let me throw this out there to you because it was asked to me on twitter would it be smarter for the vikings to sign anthony harris to a reasonable contract extension and trade harrison smith and let me present you with hmm. the case for it from the twitter and i'm sorry i don't remember who asked uh, um in my mentions but Harris is younger. He's really good. I mean, he's put up great numbers, great pro football-focused numbers. He's one of the smartest players. He knows Zimmer's defense extremely well. And uh, he's likely to still be in his prime for three, four, five more years at that position. He will probably be cheaper, at least uh, in the first year especially, than Harrison Smith's $10.7 million cap hit. You can make $8 million by trading Smith and the... uh, I guess the offers would be a lot for Harrison Smith. I mean, you could expect if you can get a first round for Stephon Diggs, then you could probably get a first round pick late in the first for Harrison Smith, too. Would that make any sense to you, even though Mike Zimmer's head would explode? I just think that Harrison has so much, you know, respect of years and years of great play, and it really hasn't gone down. Uh, that that would just sort of be a shocker to the football team. Like, hey, here you do. You, you're basically one of the the best or one of the best safeties for years, and and they decided to let you go. I, I, there, I think there's just too much history there. You know, Harrison is a good free safety deep in the middle of the field. He's he's a good cover two guy. He's good a good tackler. He's great when he's down near the football. Uh, he can cover if he needs to certain guys. He's a great you know, blitzer and, and those types of things. I mean. I think that he just does more things for this defense than uh, than when Anthony did. You know, Anthony was good cover. He could cover well. That's why. That's why those interceptions. And also, he played a very, very good deep free safety. But he didn't do all those other things. You know, blitzing and all those things nearly as much as Harrison Smith. So I think they just know. And maybe uh, Zimmer values that role more. That you know, more of your strong safety near the line of scrimmage, blitzing. Uh, it values that position more than the the true free safety, you know. So it depends what I guess. I, I assume Mike Zimmer might have a history of having paid, you know, those types of the down guys more than the than the true free safeties. Right. I mean that that's the thing with Harrison Smith is it isn't just with him about how he grades on plays that go his way, which of course he's I think right behind Anthony Harris for last year. They were one and two or two and three or something like that. Um, but it's I about- wonder if the Cleveland, by the way, you know, they're like the analytics team. It seems like the team that's just sort of obsessed with them is that yeah. sort of sort of well known at this point. I wonder what they think of like who is a more valuable safety. You know, having a great, 
you know, sort of Troy Palomalu, mm-hmm. you know, near the line of scrimmage, or or an Ed Reed who's more of a deeper safety and just you know, range, he just has great range and, and instincts and those type of things. I wonder which one they value more from a from a financial perspective. Uh, that's a really those types of analytics guys. Yeah, it's a really good question. I think they would look at Anthony Harris and say that it's clear from his numbers and underneath numbers that he is extremely valuable. But anyone who's ever been on the field with Harrison Smith says that he's where this defense starts and ends. I mean, with with him being out there and games where he hasn't been able to be out there as rare as they've been, um, it looks a lot different because he can be at the line of scrimmage, but he could also drop deep and he's so deceptive and he's so instinctual and he's so smart and all those things play into it. It would really be not who is more valuable in my mind. In my mind, it's Harrison Smith and it's probably by a pretty significant margin. It's just... The money, the age, all of those things that we talk about. It's kind of Yeah, like- I mean, it, it could make sense. I just think that, uh, you know, you're only going to have one, and I think they decide that Heron Smith is they're going to have, and they just move on. I mean, teams have to make those decisions. It's like Daniil Hunter and Everson right now. You know, I think they like Everson, but they really like Daniil, and Daniil's going to be the guy on the team and, and uh, because he just it's hard to pay to where the Vikings are with their – salary cap situation, all those things. And so I think they're probably just going to stick with where they are. And I think Harrison has a lot of years left. He doesn't miss many football games. Uh, he is continually you know, playing at this high level. I have not seen much of a drop-off. His instincts are incredible. Yeah. He also constantly is sort of getting other guys lined up or communicating. He's a very good communicator. And, and having something that organizes back there, and I'm not, I'm not saying that Anthony Harris didn't do this as well and doesn't have this, but he, he's, there's, he's such a, some guys are just they're the glue guys, too. Some guys are playmakers, and some guys are glue guys, and some guys are playmakers and glue guys. And that is Harrison Smith, and that's what uh, why he is so important. I think that I think the Vikings see that uh, as having more value for them. All right, let me move to a move uh, today that really impacts the Vikings, and I want to apologize for people who did not get the joke when I made it on Twitter about how Vikings fans are curled up in a ball in the corner now because Nick Foles is playing for the Chicago Bears. I'm not completely serious, but this is a guy that lit you up like. No one ever has before in the NFC Championship. Okay, so you could see where Vikings fans, especially when you have to go to Soldier Field, and we know how that goes for the Vikings. Um, but now he's going to play in your division. Your reaction, Sage, to Nick Foles being the quarterback of the Chicago Bears? Well, I was thinking about this the other day, and you know, Nick Foles sort of reminds me a little bit of like Eli Manning in some ways. Like you know, really not great stats for the most part, but then he has these hot years. He's got some Fitz magic. In him mm-hmm. just you know sometimes more often or on the bigger stage and you know that anyone that makes a Super Bowl run like the one he made uh, and he played great in those games I mean you go back and watch some of the throws he made uh, against the Patriots in the Super Bowl this is not somebody who like just managed the football game he can sort of get hot and he can also you know play poorly as well so um, he's a definitely a, a better sort of throwing quarterback and sort of pocket quarterback, I think, and going to have more experience in those things than, than Trubisky. He's not going to run around in those types of deals. But, you know, I, I, I think that uh, I think he's an upgrade. I think he's an upgrade to Mr. Trubisky, to be honest with you. I've always sort of liked Foles' game, and, and, uh, and you know, Jacksonville is just a dumpster fire there last <laughs> year, so it's hard it to is. even know, 
if you know why he didn't play well. I know he played well a couple of years ago and he won a Super Bowl and they won a Super Bowl and a, and a lot of reasons because of Nick Foles. It wasn't just because of everybody else. And so you know, that Chicago football team, they've still got some a lot of good players on that defense and and they've got some playmakers on offense. And and uh, I, I don't I I did but I heard at the the combine they were going to use a lot more bootleg and play action than they had in the past. And so you know maybe that offense will be a little better for Foles too, who I think played really well. Uh, uh, and some of the play-action type of stuff that they did in, and, uh, with, with the Eagles a couple of years ago. It really does set up for the perfect Vikings heartbreak to be facing Nick Foles twice a year because his quarterback coach is John Filippo. I mean, it's just, here's Nick Foles again. Who, oh, in Chicago? Yeah, That's the yeah, yeah. Oh. Nick Foles, who ended your dreams and then won the Super Bowl on your field by catching a touchdown also in the, uh, uh, in the, the what was it? It was called the Philly Special Play. And then it's the offensive coordinator that you fired who now is back in the division with that quarterback. It just sets up perfectly if... I don't know. My sense for Vikings fans is they always expect the worst thing is going to happen, and it will have so much irony. And this sets up for worse things and irony. Well, but, can, we, can we go on to John D. Filippo for one second? I didn't know he was in Chicago. Yeah, so, like, yeah. as fans, we've only been talking about John D. Filippo for a couple of years on this show and going back to our podcast. Uh, but you know, he goes from Philly as this you know hot name, and he's mm-hmm. a head coach in the waiting, and and you know, boom, we. Big sign by the Vikings, and obviously the Vikings set some records, you know, like passing records, but they went 8-7-1, and, and obviously his style didn't match up with Zimmer's style. He goes off to Jacksonville. That's a dumpster fire over there. Uh, they get fired, and now he's back in Chicago. I mean, boom. But, I mean, I don't, I'm guessing he's married with kids, like moving around. Yeah. I mean, now he's coaching uh, Nick Foles, the guy who coached uh, at the beginning of this whole crazy little circus that he's he's had to go on i mean pretty interesting that the life of an nfl coach and and uh he's got it he's got his quarterback he, i guess he he should know how how, how nick Foles plays and, and i would think that's that would help Foles uh at least uh in whatever their, his transition is into this matt nagy offense and knowing Filippo a little i think him and matt nagy have a lot of similarities that they want an extremely complex offense and that's probably better for nick Foles to be able to handle than it would be for mitch trubisky who struggled in it so. last year yeah yeah, I, from what I've heard, you know, Trubisky is is not a uh, he's not Peyton Manning as far <laughs> as all the things that you'd need uh, from a you know X's and O's science of the game standpoint. I, I think on the other end of the spectrum, in, in a lot of ways, from what I hear. So you also got to realize, you know, this offense, this Nagy offense, you know, it's it's sort of like Kansas City's. All right, he came from Andy Reid. Well, you know, also the uh, 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 the Philadelphia coach. Um, his that offense is from Andy Reid also, so you know there's a lot of you know similarities there. It should be a pretty easy offense for for Nick Foles to learn, and I think that I think that Foles will end up being the starting quarterback next year for the Chicago Bears. That, that that would not surprise me at all. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they name him the starting quarterback by the fourth week of camp. That I just think he's. Uh, got a much better chance to fit in and handle that offense than Trubisky, who I'm just marking as a bust. And, you know, it's sunk cost is a thing that NFL teams don't always understand super well, but you just have to move on. He's not Question, good. Real quick, Get somebody real else. Quick. Would you take, let's just say Trubisky was released and, like, nobody was going to sign him, or would you trade a seventh-round pick to make him the backup quarterback? 
put yeah, him in a sort sure. of Vikings. I think he's a really good backup quarterback. <laughs> That's the thing is that when he's compared to Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, well, that's just the that's just the worst luck, isn't that just the worst luck? To well, have that. I mean, you could call it luck. You could call you could it call also. Luck, what know, the I hell were you to, thinking? I talked to uh, an NFL offensive coordinator, and they they had a fourth round grade on Mitch Trubisky when he was coming out, which would put you as a you know backup quarterback basically, uh, you know, in the in this league, and so um, you know, well. We'll see. We'll see how he goes. He would do much better, I would think, in the Vikings' offense. I said, I you know, do this radio show in Chicago, and it seemed like every time they had like two, uh, they had like two play sheets. We're like, okay, the play sheet where we're under center, we're going two tight ends, we're going two running backs, we're going to pound it, and then we're going to do a little bootleg play action, and then like the next series would just be like an empty uh, and like people motion all over the place. And it's like. What is this offense? And it seemed like to me he was always doing much better in the play action Mm -hmm. uh, and bootleg stuff. He throws the ball fairly well on the run, and he's out of that pocket. He's just not a guy who should be sitting in that pocket. It sort of brings out the worst in him. And I think Kubiak would see that immediately and call a ton of bootlegs. He's done that before with a guy like Jake Plummer, uh, who was very good running outside the pocket and and was not a great accurate thrower throughout his career, but, you know, got to the AFC Championship game. Uh, you know, I don't know, fifteen, whatever, twenty years, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, something like that. So, and it was a while ago, but he, they recognized Plummer's greatest strength is athletic ability. Yeah, I would definitely do it for him as a backup. But the Vikings do have their backup back, and that is Sean Mannion. Um, we'll just move on quickly from that. I mean, he's a good backup. Hey, for let's them. deep it's dive. We, yeah, you know, I mean, if, Maybe uh, as we got a little time here, when Fridge starts to slow down, maybe I'll do a deep dive in Sean Mannion's preseason play from last year. We'll go into that thing and we'll say, I'll tell you what, we, the Vikings got a really good deal. That might be Sean where we're Mannion. at. So we could talk for hours <laughs> might be. about him. But it's always nice the guy that has the offense. It seems like he's a respected guy in the locker room. I've talked around. People like him. Uh, you very know, back smart. quarterback, be seen and not heard. That's what I like to say. Be mm-hmm. seen and not heard, especially in the press or anything like that. So he's doing his role extremely well. And, uh, and hopefully if he, if he plays this year, he, he plays well. I still think it's not crazy if they decided to draft a quarterback late in the draft to have somebody to develop. But if it's the sixth round, it's over a couple of years. So we'll see. I want to ask you about one more move, well, I, though. I, I, do we, don't, we don't know what the financial aspect of that backup deal is, correct? It's, it's probably like a million bucks. It, it'd shock one me if it was back. more than that. So here's the thing. If you know, they really like a guy and they decide to go with a guy in the third round, you know, if they love Jalen Hurts or they love these, one of these guys that might fall a little bit, that might be a situation where you know you bring him into camp and you go, okay, this kid, this kid's our future. Like we love this kid, mm-hmm. and you make him the number two, and you you know sometimes you just sort of cut bait, or at a million bucks you could possibly have him as a, as a third quarterback. And so you know I think getting a, a guy who knows the offense, you know, for cheap. Uh, we all know. Listen, if Kirk Cousins is going down, pretty good chance Vikings aren't winning the Super Bowl 2020. And, yes. Uh, so. Yes. Um, you know, the value of that backup quarterback is as much off the field as on the field, and I think Sean Mannion's experience adds a lot of value to this football team. Teddy Bridgewater to Carolina, your thoughts? I love it. I mean, do you know who the Carolina offensive coordinator is? Joe Brady. Joe Brady. Joe Brady was at LSU, just had a, obviously a quarterback doing maybe one of the greatest or the greatest year in the, in the history of college football for quarterbacks, for throwing quarterbacks. And uh, he was before that with the New Orleans Saints, where Teddy Bridgewater just came from. Yes. So the offense would be, think, very, very similar. 
I can't say I know everything about that football team. I know they have a lot of college guys on that football team as far as coaches because I saw them at the at the combine, and that's going to be interesting to me, you know, because it's just a different game in the NFL when you have these guys who've never been in the NFL. Uh, you know, the the details, the protections, the details of the game plans. I'm super interested how you know that transition works because it is a jump uh, from college football to the pros and. And you know some of those guys had pro experience. I, I think the head coach rule was a, was was with the, maybe the Giants uh, years ago. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know we, we will see uh, you know how that football team changes. I like the move because you know, hey you know two two different you know groups of people sort of starting over. Carolina's starting over, and and the quarterbacks are restarting his career here. And and I think everybody. Uh, in, in the country, it seems like, you know, it's not just like Vikings fans who liked Teddy and all these things. It's like people around the country just seem to like Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Yep. You know, he's uh, he's done enough things, I guess, social media-wise, or and obviously played last year. But, it, you know, what a great story. And, and I'm glad he got his big paycheck. I think that, yep. uh, you know, you're always happy when somebody, you know, finally, who you know, I think has earned it, has deserved it. More than a lot of these other guys who are getting huge deals. Uh, I think has has, has deserved this uh, you know first really big contract. Now it doesn't look like the Patriots are going to spend a whole lot of money on their quarterback situation, and if they are, they're running out of options. But would you have preferred to see Teddy push hard? Now it seems like New England didn't want to sign him and spend that much money on him. So if you're him, take the cash wherever you can go. Hopefully Carolina can rebuild. And then what's interesting about Teddy's situation is the first year he's there, it's Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady in the division. So yikes, you're probably not making the playoffs. But next year it might be Taysom Hill and who the hell knows and who the hell knows. right? So it could kind of quickly change there for Carolina with their timeline and with Teddy Bridgewater. And also if they want to draft a quarterback, they could do it. But uh, if you were the Patriots, would you have gone after Teddy Hard? Yeah, I like Teddy because he's one of those guys right in his prime still, and mm-hmm. has you know, and, and quarterbacks now their prime is a long time. It's not like a running back where it's like four years. So you know, prime means he could be the quarterback in Carolina for the next ten years. I mean, that's that is a great thing to have. Uh, so you know, and that's important. It's it, you want to try to make a transition from going really good and consistently good, great like the Patriots have been, to staying there. It's nice to try to you know take a fire on a guy who has at least been good uh, in his career to make that transition up. But they you know they might go for a young guy. I don't know much about the the backup. I believe he was an Auburn quarterback. Uh, I think Stidham uh, a couple years ago. And you know I I'd love to see Bel- Bill Belichick just shock everybody and change the offense to like the Navy offense <laughs> and just go, you know what, here's what we're going to do and go out and get all these quarterbacks, get like four of them that also play like running back and, and, and go with guys in the, like the wing tee. I, I want to see that. You know, he won 11 see, games still. You know, he'll, I'm telling you, the defense is going to be the same against everyone else. So that, but he'll do something and, and no one will know what to do with it. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm telling you, that would be super, that would be the most Bill Belichick awesome thing. And if he somehow just even won nine games, you're like, wow, the Patriots won nine games with, you know, with, without a, you know, quote unquote great quarterback like Tom Brady. Uh, I, you know, I would find that, that that would be great. But you know, we'll see what they do in free agency, and and uh, you know, maybe the draft, maybe start over, 
you know, who knows? Yeah, somebody tweeted that they only have 14 players on their roster right now. So they have they have a lot to do. All right, Sage. Well, great stuff, as always. And we'll see what moves come by the next time we talk on Monday. Was there anything, just we have like a minute left, anything else that stuck out to you? Um, just the, the Chargers are going to go with Tyrod Taylor. Is that a good idea for them? I think or the they Chargers are going to go with Tyrod out? Taylor until the draft comes along, yeah. and then we'll see. You yeah. know, So everyone's going with their guy. They're happy with their guy. Uh, you know, He's going to need competition at the minimum, so yep. they're not going to have a Sean Mannion type of signing there. It'll be somebody... Uh, you know, sort of in this mix or something, you know. So it'll be like uh, in Cleveland. We'll see how things unfold. Yeah. Uh, you know, Andy Dalton. You know, where's where's he going to end up? There's no place for him yet. So uh, all I know, all I know is this: Ryan Fitzmagic, best quarterback in the <laughs> AFC East <laughs> on this day. Oh man, I always dreamed one day we would say that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the best quarterback in his division. All right, Sage, we'll connect on Monday. We'll see you then, buddy. Yep, sounds good. Eric Eager coming up next. How much production do the Vikings need to replace if they lose Anthony Harris and Everson Griffin? Eric will discuss with us when we return. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Listen and win with the free Score North mobile app. Prizes up for grabs this month include three equalizer wedges and a precision-milled forged putter courtesy of the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. MLB The Show 20 for PS4, which now includes full minor league rosters, and more. Get it now at theshow.com. Download the free Score North mobile app, register your app, and you could be a winner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. The new league year in the NFL has officially begun, so if anything happens that we didn't expect and it gets announced, I will let you know right away. But what's weird is the league year begins, and we already know about 95% of the stuff that has happened through reports from our friends Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, and so forth. So to break down some of it, including how much the Minnesota Vikings will need to make up if they lose even more of their key players, our friend for Pro Football Focus, Eric Eager. What's going on, Eric? Hey, man. uh, Crazy couple of days. (laughs) Yeah, you could say that uh, in the world and with the NFL. So let's just start out with what I wrote um, at scorenorth.com about how much the Vikings will have to make up in terms of production to be just as good as they were last year. And I will read my last line of this, and then you can react to it. Okay. Uh, if the Vikings trade Anthony Harris, they'll have to replace, according to PFF data, 1.46 wins, which is not that much, but also could be the difference between you making the playoffs and not. And it is the equivalent in wins above replacement to Amari Cooper, Byron Jones, Chris Harris, and Jadavion Clowney. Uh, reaction? Yeah, that that's a lot. And it's um, it, it's one of those things where it's the difference between as you said, you know, making the playoffs in 2018, not making the playoffs in 2018, uh, you know, being a, a two seed and being a five seed, um, you know, or, uh, you know, maybe maybe in the Vikings future being in the top ten of the draft and not. How much can you replace of that with 
if they trade Anthony Harris, they'll have $20 million in cap space and the draft. And I guess that's the biggest question. You and I discussed when we were in Indianapolis, which positions can step in right away. Uh, the draft part of it is really hard for me, Eric, because in 2015, the Vikings had one of the best drafts in the entire NFL, if not the best, in getting Stephon Diggs, Daniil Hunter, and Eric Kendricks. And then in 2016, they had one of the worst drafts in getting you know, Laquan Treadwell. So even if you have a very smart front office, which I think the Vikings do um, you could still have drafts that just don't work out? So, what should they do with all of this draft capital? Well, that's the hard part. You know, we and a lot of Vikings fans responded to the receiver draft. And the hard part is the average, even if it's not a quarterback, the number one overall pick in the NFL draft generates on average one win above replacement during the rookie deal. Right. And obviously you have guys that overperform that. You guys have guys that underperform that. But like draft picks are nice, shiny objects, but there are just as many. I mean, there's just as many Laquan Treadwells as there are, and then Trey Waynes as there are Xavier Roses, uh, as there are, you know, Adrian Petersons, as there, you know. So the hard part is going to be, you know, yes, the Vikings have some draft capital now and they have some ammunition to replace these guys. But as we wrote about earlier, uh, you know, this off season, there, you know, you, you draft for value and right value is something that often doesn't accumulate or, or appreciate until year two or year three. So, um, you know, I do, th- I do think they'll use the draft capital to, um, you know, get some receivers, obviously get some players in the secondary, hopefully shore up their offensive line a little bit, but to expect it to pan out right away in the way that guys like Harris and, and Diggs and so on and so forth have done in the last few years is a bit speculative. So I got a few crazy stats with trying to replace Stephon Diggs. He made up 31% of Kirk Cousins' total yardage, and when they threw towards Stephon Diggs last year, they averaged over 11 yards per attempt, throwing to anyone else gained the Vikings 7.4 yards per attempt, and he made up 41% of the total air yards for Kirk Cousins and led the NFL in passes that traveled over 20 yards, which the Vikings want to continue to throw the ball deep downfield with Gary Kubiak. Rookie receivers, I think if you're looking for a cautionary tale, even in a great receiver draft, supposedly, you look to the 2015 draft, where Amari Cooper is fourth overall. He's a fantastic player, no doubt about it. Stephon Diggs has more catches than even he does, and the first round has guys like what Corey Coleman and Kevin White, who were just these massive busts that everybody loved and and got on their uh, you know their hype train, and and that's the concern for me about this trade. That I understand the reasons why you would want to move Diggs, and I also understand that in a bubble, it seems like you got more value back than you gave away. But at the same time, the odds of replacing him with a draft pick are just pretty low that you're going to get someone anywhere in his stratosphere. Absolutely. And with those, with the draft capital, the problem is, is you're not going to get, once you have a bona fide superstar, the only way really that you can recoup that is by, on average, again, on average, because we know that more draft picks bust than they don't, is to get a quarterback. And the Vikings spent the first day of free agency extending their quarterback. Uh, and so I, I just, that's the tricky part. Like you said, Diggs had a really remarkable year last year in the sense that, of all players who have had, I believe it's 100 targets or more, he increased his average depth of target from one year to the next more than anybody in the PFF era. So he went from more of an underneath 
10 yards per catch guy, the last season being a deep threat. Uh, and there's not that many wide receivers uh, that, that you you have in the NFL that can alter their tight the way that Diggs did. So he'll be best. And not only do the Vikings need to use some of the draft picks to replace him, they need to use some of the draft picks to get a number three guy as well. Let's uh, talk about the Cousins extension a little bit more, Eric. Uh, I got a text from someone, let's just call it in the industry, that uh, said, if you're giving away digs and you're signing on to Kirk Cousins for three years, uh, why why do it right away other than cap space? Because wouldn't you want to see him without one of his top receivers? Uh, And maybe you already know what he is, but you're taking away... his main target for the last two years, someone who's been excellent and deserving of Pro Bowls that he didn't get into, and now Cousins is going to have to make up for that in some ways. And even with a lot of other weapons, you're still talking about a team that wants to run the ball more and make Delvin Cook their centerpiece and will very likely extend Delvin Cook. So it puts into question, to some extent, uh, the timeline even for the Vikings and when they think they could be good again, but also how you get the most now out of Kirk Cousins in 2020 and beyond. Yeah, I think the cynical way to look at it is the only thing that made sense about it was the fact that they waived the no-trade clause um, because now you know they have at least a little bit more, uh, you know, even immediately in the future for a possibility to sort of maybe you know draft a quarterback high and trade Kirk later. Um, but this doesn't – This I have a hard time seeing how any of the moves that they made uh, makes Kirk makes Kirk Cousins more likely to make good on the contract that he got with Minnesota. Um, you know, so what do they have to do? I mean, yeah, they have to they kind of have to get receivers that show his strengths. And you know, we season ago that he's very good throwing the ball down the field. So you know, does that mean that they you know there have been talks that they're going to trade Anthony Harris to move up in the draft? You probably have to get up to like ten to get yourself at least a. a a shot at like Henry Ruggs or C.D. Lamb or even Jerry Judy, um, you know, those are going to be the types of players that really accentuate his strengths and free agency. They don't really have a lot of money, but even if they did, you're looking at guys like Bashad Perriman, who's been up and down, another first-round uh, guy who busted out before, you know, generating some value later on. Um, yeah, so it, it was a head-scratcher for me. I, I think, uh, you know, it, I, I'm not terribly you know, optimistic about what we're going to see from Cousins over the next year plus. So let's just say that they didn't do it. Let's say they didn't extend Kirk Cousins. Now, it does put them in a very tough position for 2020 to be able to afford anything, even just to field the roster, because there aren't that many people left that they can even strip down. They've traded away Diggs, and they've let go Everson, or at least he's a free agent, and they've let go Linval Joseph, and they've let go Xavier Rhodes. And still, even if they trade Anthony Harris, they'll only have $20 million with still 20 roster spots left to fill at least. So they would have been in a really tough position if they were paying the whole $31 million for Kirk Cousins. That's a reason to do it. But if we play this out down the road and say, let's say you let Cousins go into 2020 and see what happens. And if he goes to the Super Bowl, then you could say, all right, well, he's certainly proved that he could do it. But if he doesn't, and he goes 8-7-1, and and he's a pretty good statistical quarterback but doesn't win a whole lot, and then you open yourself up for a lot of draft capital to build around a new quarterback, and that seems like it would have been a favorable and for Vikings fans rather exciting option to look down the road and say, okay, it got built up, they won a lot, they didn't get the Super Bowl, and now 
bring it down a notch, and build it back up with somebody else at quarterback. I feel like when I say that, I can almost feel Vikings fans going, ah, yeah, we could have done that. <laughs> You're right. And and that's a lot that's a lot that needs to go right just for this situation to make sense. You know, and and I think in football, that's really the tough part about football is there's so many interconnected things. And when you don't get yourself a quarterback like a Wilson, like a Mahomes, like a Brady, like a Breeze, it requires so it requires you to hit a royal flush uh, to to have you know to to for for some of these decisions to make sense. And you know, I, I'm I'm not a front office member, but those are not the types of bets I like to make. Uh, and so, unfortunately, um, you know where they're sitting now. They're probably not going to be all that successful this season because you know they don't their defense. I don't think is good enough in the secondary, and then offensively they're not going to be explosive enough. I mean, last season they were able to lean on Dalvin Cook. I think a lot more than people who are skeptical of the run game like me think. But those things tend to regress season to season, and you know so where do the Vikings sit? I mean, you, you know uh, the Bears are probably going to be a little bit better than they were last season. I think Detroit's going to be as well. Green Bay's coming off a fifteen and three year. Um, you know, unfortunately, like their their best move from here on out is probably to trade, you know, to make some trades back to accumulate picks not only in this draft but also in the following draft, uh, and see how high of a, of a draft pick they can get the following year. Well, is that the path? I mean, okay, so we know this team, especially with uh, Kirk Cousins, is um, not going to go four and twelve, but re- really unlikely. Especially their schedule. I had Rami earlier pick every game of the schedule. I made up a fake one, and he came up with eight and eight for next year, which I think is very reasonable. Um, so let's just say that that happens. That that's their talent level, and things could go right. They can make the playoffs. More teams get into the playoffs. What is the path back to being great, though? I mean, is there's always a path for every team to having that one or two year, three year window where you've got a shot. You know, Philadelphia builds up their roster. They sign a bunch of free agents. Carson Wentz plays well, gets them home field advantage, and boom, it clicks and and it works for them. San Francisco is a fourth quarter away from having all of those things go right for them and then having it click. I don't think that's next year for the Vikings, but if it's 2021, if I told you they were in the Super Bowl 2021, what would have had to have happened along the way over this offseason and then going forward? Yeah, you, you you remark about the 2015 draft. I think they have to have a draft that's that that's similar to that and in the right places. So they they probably have to get at least one or two defensive backs who are who end up being very good in this draft. At least one or two wide receivers that end up being good, and maybe one of the younger guys develops, like DC Johnson or Alexander Holland. Irv Smith has to turn out to be a pretty damn good tight end, uh, and the offensive line has to stick together. Um, Daniel Hunter has to take another step as is Eric Hendricks. And, and I think that this is probably even, even more, uh, to the point. The NFL, with a lot of teams trying to hang on at quarterback, namely Tampa Bay now, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, probably New England with whom, whomever they sign, a lot of those bets around the league need to go broke and the Vikings need to be able to trade Kirk Cousins to one of those teams for a high enough draft pick where they can, you know, do what Philadelphia did, which is to trade multiple picks to move up and get Carson Wentz, or exactly what the LA Rams did as well. If all those things happen, I think the Vikings can compete relatively early. That's a lot of things to happen, but I think, namely, the rest of the league is going to have to get desperate enough to take that, you know, that, to take Kirk Cousins off of you and give you some value in return. 
Talking with Pro Football Focus's Eric Eager. Uh, the uh, forecast podcast is outstanding with Eric and uh, George Shahuri. I know that you're all working from home and have time to listen to podcasts, so listen to our show and the PFF forecast. Uh, let me ask you about a couple other things here. Tom Brady is going to play for the Tampa Bay Bucks now, and what? Like, I mean, this is just great. For, for people like you and I that really love looking back at the 90s and what random quarterbacks played for random teams and uh, who love watching the Kansas City Chiefs with Joe Montana, this is kind of great from that perspective. It's not great if he continues to wear those XFL type of uniforms that the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Bucks have, but I think yeah. here's a crazy stat for you, Eric. You like stats, don't you? Uh, the Bucks turned it over 41 times last year and on 20% of their drives. And the New England Patriots only turned it over 15 times the whole season. Uh, if if that even meets in the middle with Tom Brady as a quarterback, they win like 11 or 12 games, right? That is a very talented team. I think he made the right decision. Yeah, as somebody who... Um, last season, I had bets on Tampa Bay to win over six and a half games and Jameis to win the passing yardage title. I watched a lot <laughs> of their games, and they they lost the game to the Giants on a last-second missed field goal. They lost the game to Tennessee, I think, on a late turnover that was kind of BS. They lost the game to Houston on that Saturday where there was only a couple games on. I mean, Tampa Bay, even with Jameis, gets a couple breaks, and they're 11-5 and five team. Brady, in multiple seasons in his career, had less than five interceptions. Uh, you know, notably one season, I think 20 something touchdowns and two picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's certainly different in taking care of the football. Um, and even, you know, I think he gets a little bit too much of a reputation for being dink and dunk. Uh, in between 10 and 20 yards, he's the highest graded quarterback over the last few years. So I, I think this is a remarkable move for them. Another thing that's really, uh, underrated about Tampa is that their defense, their defense gave up 28, there were 28th in points allowed this year, but only like, Six, they were sixth in yards per play allowed. Hmm. And it, again, it speaks to Jameis turning the ball over. That defense is actually pretty good. Um, and Todd Bowles has done a terrific job of, of giving it a facelift in just one year. So I'm not saying Tampa Bay is the favorite in the NFC or even the NFC South with how good the Saints are, but they're a legitimate contender now uh, to be good and to make the playoffs. So, Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina, we all feel good for Teddy. He's got a lot of money now, and that's great. And he earned it uh, for sure with his incredible comeback and then a 5-0 and stretch with the New Orleans Saints last year. But he joins a team that is in transition. I, I think for year one for Teddy... They have to be patient here because, first of all, it's his first time starting 16 games since 2015. But also, you're going against Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, and and uh, Tom Brady. But by 2021, you might not be going against any of those guys in the division. So if they take more of a long view of this, uh, I think it could actually work out really well for Teddy and Carolina. Yeah, I think if you're a Bridgewater fan, the only concern you have is that the, his contract looks a decent amount like Mike Lennon's did for Chicago just a few years ago. Uh, and so Carolina picking at seventh overall is not necessarily a lock to take somebody like uh, Isaiah Simmons or one of the tackles. It may actually take somebody like Jordan or Jordan Love or Justin Herbert, two players that I don't think very much of, but the league I think does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, a, I'm only a little bit concerned that Bridgewater could just be a bridge to the next quarterback. Oh, wow. But if he's not, they have some players who are pretty who accentuate Bridgewater's strengths pretty well on offense, namely McCaffrey and DJ Moore, uh, who you know can take accurate underneath passes and do a lot with them. 
So I think it's a good move for Bridgewater. I, you know, there are other places I think he might have been able to do better, but Carolina seems like a team sort of with the right process in place and could really, uh, you know, in a couple years contend. And Bridgewater gives them a great, like, they don't want to necessarily dip their toes in and doll it up and get you know, Tua Tagovailoa or, or Joe Burrow, but they want a guy who has the opportunity and the, the potential to be a franchise quarterback, and Bridgewater gives them that. All right, last thing for you, Eric. Who got the most better so far in free agency? Oh, that's a um, – I think I think the Los Angeles Raiders did a really good job. They got two linebackers. Uh, excuse me, what the what Raiders? Jonathan, is, the Jonathan is very right. upset. Come on, the Las Eric. Vegas Raiders. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I must have been watching old NFL films where they were the Los. You know, anyway, uh, they, I, little identity crisis there. But they just got Eli Apple, who actually turned his career around pretty well uh, for the the Saints. They got uh, Kayakowski, former Bear. Uh, also, Corey Littleton, who is not a big name, but one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. They did a good job. Um, I also look at the Chargers. Just got our old friend Limbaugh Joseph. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what they're doing at quarterback with, uh, Tyrod Taylor. Um, but they have, they've done some pretty good stuff as well. So, you know, and then the teams, frankly, that haven't done a whole lot, like the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs, you look, always look back at free agency and say, those teams actually did pretty well because they stayed away from making a lot of mistakes. I, I think those are low key teams that have done well so far. And Chris Harris appears to be signing with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. So they continue to build up their roster. And if they want another quarterback other than Tyrod, they could be pretty darn good, I think. Um, Eric, great stuff as always. I hope that you are stay re- staying virusless. I got to figure out a better way to say that. Just maybe keeping safe over these days. And uh, I think we've got still quite a ways more to go, even though Brady's got his home, Rivers has his home, and, and Bridgewater too. There's a lot of free agents and things that could still change, and definitely a lot uh, with the Vikings. Yeah, absolutely. I just bought both of my daughter's iPads so, uh, as, a, as a birthday gift to my wife. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see how long that lasts. Much like free agency, we're just trying to milk everything we can for as long as we can until uh, we get some level of normalcy back. Yeah, so this is cool. Um, we're going to have PFF guests on every day because all of you are working from home and want outside contact in some way. So we'll yeah. have every day, we'll have Solomon Wilcott's going to come on next week. So, Eric, uh, well, stay safe and uh, I appreciate your time. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Eric Eager there, Pro Football Focus. So, um, Chargers get Chris Harris. And I guess I'm skeptical about them going into next year with Taylor as their quarterback as they potentially open a new stadium, though everything in the whole world is slowed down. And just for a second, if we could stop and talk about that, everything, everything in the entire world is impacted. And let me tell you the funniest. The funniest is in the NFL. They cannot announce moves, even though we have started the new league year. So what teams are doing with their team (laughs) websites is they are saying, reports from NFL Network say that we have signed this player because, according to our buddy Kevin Seifert of ESPN, if they say that they have signed a player without the physical, then they're basically liable for the contract. And if somebody comes in and takes a physical and is hurt or gets hurt between now and then, Remember Bashad Breland? Yep. He was vacationing in, I don't know, the Caribbean or something, and stepped on a seashell and cut his foot open. And then Carolina, I think it was, couldn't sign him 
because he was going to be injured for a long time because of stepping on a seashell. <laughs> so, they, so they can't do that because then they have to wait and see. And you know, players are going to be away from the facility more than ever, is my guess. Usually OTAs and off-season workouts, they start pretty soon here, maybe even in April. And uh, those things are not happening, for sure, no. with our current landscape. So um, an interesting little twist that you'll see on your team websites. I think my favorite right now is the Chicago Bears. Per at NFL Network reports. <laughs> yes, yeah. Per the league-owned TV network. Yeah, I saw the Bills tweet out, reports, we have acquired <laughs> Stefan Diggs. Like, yeah, that is uh, that is for sure. So, um, anyway, kind of odd times and sometimes provide us with a, a little bit of a laugh. And I also saw, just because I think we need this, and we'll get back to football in just a second, The Onion tweeted this out. My wife is working from home. And along with Eric and all the PFF people, the this is The Onion, which is a mm-hmm. fake news website. The original, yeah. actual fake news to be funny. And their headline is, um, Employee working from home frantically trying to finish report by end of days. <laughs> <laughs> and that is definitely how it feels. I mean, put on the hazmat suit to go to the uh, grocery store. But I'm glad that teams are... Staying safe and, uh, you know, not having players do these visits and all sorts of travel across the country and everything else. It's better to just look a little bit goofy and then go forward. Um, I thought that what Eric was talking about before we hit a break, and we'll get Judd Zolgad's reaction here, that one thing that's been hard to pin down when you trade away Stephon Diggs and then lose all this talent uh, and then potentially trade away Anthony Harris but re-sign Kirk Cousins is the overall direction. Like, What is the overall direction? What do you believe you're going to do in 2020? And then how much does 2020 impact how you view your general manager and your head coach? How realistic are the people that own the team? That's a huge question for me because if you're being realistic, you should set the bar at let's just be competitive and we'll see what happens. And then in 2021, the hot seat is back on. You have to cool it down for a year and and put the expectation at just making the playoffs, and then, at best, make the playoffs because of how much talent you have to replace. But if you draft two first-rounders and two third-rounders, by a year from now, in 2021, we could be talking about those players potentially taking big steps forward and being huge impact players. And there's also still guys that are developing for the Vikings, like Irv Smith, like Mike Hughes, who we might feel differently about in a year. That's where you should set your sights, uh, I, I think. And then maybe even next year, potentially talking about drafting a quarterback, the guy that would sit for a year or two behind Kirk Cousins and then hand the ball off to that potential quarterback. So if you take the long view of the Vikings franchise, you are not running outside with your hair on fire and going to the top of the highest building you can find. Of course, distance from everyone else at the top of that highest building. Um you know, the virus and stuff. So, But you're not losing your mind if you take the long view. If you take the short view and you try to spend a bunch on free agents and lower their cap hits in the first year so they're going to hit you hard in the future, then that might get you in trouble. And it, it might be where we're looking at a couple of seasons that are down, if not a lot of seasons that are down. So what they do here and the approach that they take in this offseason, I think will dictate where we're at two years from now with this franchise, three, four years from now with this franchise, because they could set themselves up with all this draft capital really well, or they could make mistakes that 
end up with them really not being as competitive of a team in the more distant future. So let's talk with uh, Judd Zolgad when he uh, is going to pop in here next. I made up a fake schedule and had Rami pick it earlier. I want to see if Judd agrees. And that's right. We don't even know who's on the team. But I still want Judd, based on everything that's happened, to pick the Vikings schedule because there's no reason whatsoever not to. And as news continues to pop up, we'll let you know. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. If you're set to spend more time at home than in your car over the next several days, you can still listen to Score North three different ways. The free Score North app on your phone or tablet, scorenorth.com, or just by saying, Alexa, open Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. For this download, I want to let want to let you know of acknowledging our area high school senior athletes who had their careers cut short due to the coronavirus outbreak. Send us a video or picture to at Score North using the hashtag Minnesota Senior Night on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook. We'll share and make sure our area high school senior athletes and tomorrow's leaders get the recognition they deserve. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Back here on Purple Daily. Now Judge Zolgad enters the studio as I prepare my fake schedule. And I want to be very clear. It is with the right opponents, but it is not the right order. This is not your real Viking schedule. They have not announced that. In fact, I have no darn clue when they will do that in the NFL Usually it comes out, what, between free agency and the draft? but yep. April 20th or so. Maybe they'll still do it on time. They've done everything else mostly on time, except for the way that they're not announcing, but kind of are announcing moves on Twitter. It's a bizarre. little bit bizarre. Yeah, for sure. So, Jonathan, why don't you kick us up some NFL music, and I am going to make Judd pick my fake schedule. Judd, of course, does not know who's on the defense for the most part, uh, who the receiver will be that they draft. Who's at left tackle, whether Anthony Harris will be here or not. He doesn't know any of those things. And yet still, I want you to tell me how many wins at this moment you think the Vikings will have by picking every game. So again, this is a made-up schedule with the correct opponents. Okay. All right. All right. Let's start off. The most exciting home opponent you could have in the NFL. The Jacksonville Jaguars open up the season against the Minnesota Vikings and my old friend Doug Marone. Coming to Minnesota, win or loss, Judd against the Jags. Win. All right. You're one and all, just like last year. Nick Foles and the Bears on the road at Soldier Field. Oh! Everything always goes just fine there. Nick, yeah. Trubisky or Foles? I'm saying Foles. I would be stunned if you trade for someone with such a big cap hit at this point and don't start it. All right. I am going to say loss. All right. Home versus Teddy Bridgewater. The fans will be cheering Teddy, Teddy, and the Carolina Panthers. You know what? You're still tough at home. I think you're still tough at home. It's a close one, but I'm going to go 2-1 and one Vikings, a win. All right. Home against A.A. Ron and the Packers. Packers are coming off a great season They're where really they didn't think they were that good. Home again? Yep, home again. I'm gonna get you know what? I'm gonna split those games, so win. Three and one. Three and one. You're great, three and one great right now. Start for we are feeling the 2020 good. Vikings. All right, contract extensions coming. On the road at Matt Patricia's Flying Lions. Oh, I, the Vikings should hope you do their schedule. I know. Win. Yeah. Four, Four and one. one start. All right. This is a great year. Man, are you friendly. Yep, they are doing all right. And now they go on the road to face the Indianapolis Colts. Again, fake schedule that I made up with the correct opponents. 
All right, five and one is super aggressive. Loss. All right, four and two. Yeah, five. I can't. I I want to say win, but I can't get to five and one. Last year, Matty Ice could have been uh, used differently when he played against the Vikings. He gets a chance at redemption and returns to Minnesota. Matt Ryan and the Falcons at home for the Vikings. Why are they back here again? A win. Five and two. Yeah, I really. I you know what? I really don't. There's some. There are some games on the schedule. I'm like, do I have to? (laughs) Can I cover that one from home? (laughs) Everyone's working from home these days. The best was when you showed up last year and was it week six or week seventeen and were actually very mad. Uh, And then I ended up not watching any of the Vikings game that was going on on the field below me. We went back and watched the Packers. Yes, uh, which that game mattered. Now you have to go on the road after a a great start to the season, 5-2, and to face the New Orleans Saints. Oh, you lose that game. The scene of the crime from last year, 5-3. You're going to lose. Now you have to go from New Orleans to on the road at Lambeau. Uh, You split, so you're going to lose. So five, five and four, five and four, five and All four. Right. Now Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys come to Minnesota. That's you, a prime time game because it's Dallas. That's a win. That's a win here. All right, six and four. Yep. Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buck, and you got to play him. Vikings headed down to Tampa for Week Eleven. Again, fake schedule made it up. Correct, no, it's great. Correct opponents. I absolutely. Love I just it. want to make that extremely because you're, well, you're going to get you're going to get tweets back they saying did not you got the schedule? schedule. How'd you get the schedule? Everyone's had the opponents for a long time. These are the correct opponents. You know what? Don't do it. Are you going to? You do know it? what? Are you going to do it? No, I can't. Okay. Six and five. Six and five. Sorry, home, Jonathan. Home against Ryan Tannehill and a very strong Tennessee Titans squad. Yeah, you know what? You still win at home again. 75. Road, you lose. Home, you win seven to five. All right, everything's going great for Bill O'Brien. The Texans are just rolling at the top of this world. They go on the road to face Deshaun Watson and maybe Bill O'Brien. That's a fired. that's a Vikings loss. That's that's the Vikings. That's the classic that's signature. Loss? Okay. That's the signature loss. All right, now you have to go. Mike on, Zimmer can sign it on the road to Seattle. Oh, Monday night game for sure, right? Has to be. You're now seven and seven. Loss. All right, final two games in the division. I got this. So right now, right. it's disappointing. Seven and seven, you've got a shot. But after that hot start, now you're disappointed. Home against the Lions. Oh, you win that game. Home against Patricia's last year. Home against the Bears and Nick Foles, where the Philly special happened. You win that game. You think so? Okay. I think you right. Yeah, because the last game last year didn't doesn't count. So as of right now, you have the Minnesota Vikings as a nine and seven football squad Man. without knowing really a whole lot about the way the rest of this is going to go I feel on. like I got to a really good place, though. They are very... They scream 9-7-ish and seven-ish to me. I think I got to a really good place. Hot start, mid-season faltering, collapse in Houston. I feel like I've got my finger on the pulse of this franchise. Alright, now let me read you a sentence. I read this to Sage Rosenfels and got his reaction earlier. I'm going to read you a sentence for my article that right. I just wrote. Okay. The article is titled... How much production do the Vikings have to replace? It's in the center of our free website and free app, scorenorth.com and app. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sentence here from this article. If the Vikings trade Anthony Harris, they will have to replace 1.46 wins, according to PFF's data. Well, one and a half wins might not seem huge. It's the difference between making and missing the playoffs and the equivalent of these free agents in terms of war. Amari Cooper, Byron Jones... Chris Harris and Jadavion Clowney combined. All of those players combined war is the same as the Vikings are losing if they 
trade Anthony Harris, and Everson Griffin does not return. Okay. Does that change your mind on nine and seven? That's only one fewer win than the Vikings had last year. No, it doesn't because they feel very much like they are going because of a lack of direction. And I can't tell to, to go back to my point from before what their direction is, Matthew. I feel they're very much a nine, nine or eight win team. That's my feeling of beyond like the war and things. That's just my sort of the feeling I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Like if I just stop and I think to myself, where are they right now? Very much like a nine win team. And I do, I do sense different people going, and I might be wrong. I might be proven wrong. I'm not sure about you. I sense people going in different directions and maybe not everybody being on the same page as to where this team should be. And you know what? I'm not going to be really surprised if Kirk Cousins statistically does not have as good of a year, especially without Stefan Diggs. So, no, I'm very comfortable saying, because I don't think they're going, and some folks do, I don't think they're going to fall off the map and be terrible. But I, you know, 500, 9 and 7 seems to me to be very reasonable. All right. Let's uh, talk about what I was discussing with Eric Eager in the last segment, which is if you take a 2021 approach Mm -hmm. to this Mm offseason, if you go to ownership and you say, look, we're going to aim to make the playoffs. There are more playoff teams allowed this year. That's good for us. Chicago is still not terrifying. Green Bay could drift back, and the Lions are still the Detroit Lions. There's no reason, even though we play the very difficult NFC South, there's no reason because we play the AFC South to not have that kind of even out and be a good team. However, if you expect us to be in the Super Bowl, you're really shooting too high. And if you're going to fire us if we don't reach the NFC Championship, that's not fair. Give us a chance to build you a winner in 2021. Let us take that approach. If you do... I think you've got a great shot mm-hmm. at building up a team that can be highly competitive in 2021 with Kirk Cousins under his contract now. If you don't, and you trade away Anthony Harris and use what you get from Anthony Harris to try to sign the biggest name that's still out there, and you sign other players to contract extensions who are on the team just to lower their cap hits right now to make more space for an overpaid left guard or an overpaid tackle or whatever it might be, then I think that you're kind of just asking history to repeat itself and get yourself into a really, really difficult position. If they take a long-term view, this team can be great again in the near future. If they don't, I think they're going to get themselves into Cincinnati Bengals land where you end up going six or seven wins over a couple of years. what's your sense of what they're doing right now? I don't know, because nothing has happened yet. I mean, aside from signing... Cousins and trading away Diggs. Trading away Diggs. If you told me that their thought process on trading away Diggs was, hey, we're really kind of shooting for 2021, 2022 is when we're competitive again, so he's going to make a lot of money then. That's why we're getting this first-round pick. I would be much more open to it. But if you were saying we're going to be still really competitive in 2020, but we're getting rid of Stephon Diggs, that's where I go, "Uh, those two things don't really add up. Right. And are are you going to actually use 12 draft picks? Are, are you going to try and trade up to get a top 10 pick? In, which I think that player could help you immediately and long-term. There's so many unknowns here, including the future of the coach and GM, their contracts, right? And the Cousins move says one thing. The Diggs move, and I understand Stefan forced their hand, but that says another thing. And so 
to me, it's just very unclear as to where as to where the people that run this team truly think this team is at. Mm-hmm. And so I am, again, I'm not panicked and I'm not mad. This is not like a hot take. I'm confused. And until I see it start to clear up, I'm going to remain confused. And you know what, ultimately, because I've gotten this tweet, there are, I'm sure, people in Egan that have a plan. So I'm not saying that they don't. But can I, do I have any idea, or do you, I think, and speaking for you, do we have any idea in this studio right now what that plan is? My answer is absolutely not. I have no clue. I have no clue on what the path is, because to me, it appears to be dual paths right now, and one says one thing, and the other says a different thing. And until we start to see this sort of clear up and, and crystallize, I think it's very fair to say, what are you doing? Yeah, no, I definitely think that that's fair to not be sure what they think. Because if you expect that even a top 10 pick, asking if you were able to trade up to get the 10th pick, if you're asking that player to come in right away and be as good as any of the guys that you're getting rid of, Everson Griffin or Anthony Harris or Stephon Diggs, it's just not that likely. And even a top 10 pick can be a bust right away or even long term. I like the idea much more of drafting a 22 and 25 and getting good players that you can develop for 2021, a left tackle and a cornerback guys at positions that generally struggle quite a bit in year one in the NFL, Mm -hmm. but take a big leap in year two. It just makes a lot more reasonable sense to me, but the next moves here will make this picture clearer. So if you trade away Anthony Harris and you don't try to sign him to an extension, which is, a possibility that they could sign him to an extension with a reasonable cap hit for this year and then a huge one down the road. If they just trade away Anthony Harris for a higher draft pick, that says to me that the direction is to look at 2021 as your place to go. And especially if they shock everyone and trade away Harrison Smith and keep oh, Anthony yeah. Harris, then it <laughs> yeah. really says yes. you're kicking it down the road. Yes. And again, this is not tanking. This is just looking down the road as being, I guess, realistic with yourself. Like, There's no amount of cap space you could spend or a number of players on the free agent market who are good enough to make you a Super Bowl team this year. It just does not exist. Those, those things don't match up. So you have to look to 2021, or you're going to put yourself in a really difficult position, I think, um, down the road. So if that is the way that they decide to go... You can you can be behind that and just know that next year you might go nine and seven, but if one or two things go wrong, if mm-hmm. Daniil Hunter is out for six weeks, oh, or yeah. Yeah, if Harrison everything. Smith gets banged up or whatever it might be, then do you think you're not going to come anywhere close to that? Do you think there is a substantial move like a Smith trade, something along those lines that's coming that we don't see? Well, what's your sense? Yeah. Um, because that would obviously shift everything dramatically. Of course, I have a lot of reckless ideas for those types of trades. Right, but you cover the, these guys on a daily basis. What is your what does your gut tell you about what they're thinking, and is there something that we don't see coming? In the Rick Spielman era, they have often taken the path that was pretty predictable for NFL people to take, if that makes sense. Yes. Like bringing back Anthony Barr. That right there, if you talk to a 100 people that study analytics inside the game, outside of the game, pro football focus, they would tell you, look, Anthony Barr is a decent player, and he impacts the game probably more than even our numbers show. However, he's not worth a $12 million cap hit. So you shouldn't do that. And yet, they did that. Uh, Delvin Cook 
is a great running back. I cannot say it enough. Huge impact player in the pass game. He could pass block. He is unstoppable in the running game. But I think the analytics people would tell you, you could probably draft Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin and put him in, and he's really good too, more likely than not. Okay, so But they're going to do that. So if we look at it through that lens of they kind of do the predictable thing most of the time that NFL teams would do, I would be very surprised if there was any huge trade or anything like that. I would say maybe Riley Reef could be traded or Riley Reef could be cut just because they don't have the cap space. I think it's going to be mostly status quo. And maybe they surprise us by trading up in the draft to get someone that they really love, a left tackle possibly, Andrew Thomas from Georgia. If he's there at 17 and you're at 22, it's worth tacking on your second, third round pick to move up and get him, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it as far as risky as I could see them. I, it's just really hard to project, and, and I want these moves. You know I want them more than anything. But it's really hard to project the Vikings to be a team that makes a big splash where we all go, oh my gosh, we never saw this coming. Even the Stefan Diggs trade we saw coming for I don't know how long, right? So um, this team does not surprise Rick's us much. GM has now. not really done that. Yeah. Like the last time I remember, I'm trying to think of things that surprised you, and th- that was much more when Childress had control of the 53. The Jared Allen trade was shocking. And it was a great trade, and it took guts to make that trade. And Rick had a hand in that trade, but I think it was Brad that said, we're making the trade. And Rick found the, and Rick Rick helped facilitate, but he didn't have GM responsibilities back then. Here's the one thing I'm going to run past you, that the more I think about this, and the Diggs trade, I, I get it had, I get in their minds that it had to take place. But the more thought I give this, here's what bothers me, Collar, about that potentially. They cho- they're choosing to go down a path that does not include Diggs, all right? And he's a receiver, and I get it. He is at the mercy of the quarterback and the play calling. But you know what bothers me? And the more I think about this, the more confused I get. This basically, to me, is picking, and again, I'll, I'll echo what you said, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is a great player at his position. But it's also, it's also in some ways, to me, saying, and we think he's going to be healthy all year long, Right? And we think Dalvin Cook's going to be impactful. And we really think that we're going to get a bunch of games in 2020 that are very much like what he did in the Dallas game in 2019, in a game he was brilliant in. But Dalvin Cook has never proven throughout the course of his pro career so far that he can stay on the field consistently. Mm-hmm. So like, if you could guarantee me 16 games of Cook and playoffs, and you could tell me 14 are going to be dominant, unbelievable, I'd be like, you know what? Okay, I get it. But you can't. And it's almost like the Vikings sort of have the hubris of, but this is how we do things. And Delvin Cook is our guy, and we are going to. And in my gut, I would not do this. I think he gets the extension. And I don't see how that doesn't ultimately, knowing what we know, blow up in their face. Well, the only way that it works out, and it still might not be worth it. So it can both work out and have not been a great move, if that makes sense. I mean, like if Anthony Barr increases his sack total from one and a half to four and a half next year and ranks 21st by PFF, which is good, um, it's still not worth it, even though he was probably a very good player. Uh, with Cook, if he is completely healthy, it always has to start with that. 
Because if you even miss three or four games of Delvin Cook, then it becomes not really worth it. Uh, especially since if you're paying him a lot, that means your backup running back is just whoever. And it worked out for the 49ers to have whoever, but it doesn't always work out to have whoever. Um, just having to, you know, throw those guys in there. Who do they have? Like, um, Rock Thomas a couple of years ago behind uh, Latavius Murray. Like, you wouldn't have wanted that guy, uh, or Mike Boone to be starting on a regular basis. But, um, uh, it does seem very predictable that that's going to happen with Delvin Cook and that we'll ultimately look at it and go, yeah, either it was a complete blow up because he didn't stay healthy and it ends up being Devontae Freeman or it was still an overpay, but he was good like Ezekiel Elliott last year. He's good, but it's still an overpay. That is all right with me if you are handling yourself really well with the salary cap going forward. So think about all the players you're moving out, all the players you're drafting to fill them in. If you have rookie contracts at a bunch of other key positions and Delvin Cook is overpaid, you could get away with that. If you have, let's say you draft a uh, defensive end who ends up getting 10 sacks across from Daniil Hunter. The guy's a beast. He replaces Everson Griffin, and you're only paying him $900,000 because he's a second-round pick. Then it kind of evens out if you have a corner who becomes a star on his rookie deal. So this one, it might not destroy them. What you worry about is that if he does get hurt and it becomes a a thing that's year to year and it ends up like Todd Gurley where the injuries pile up and he loses the burst. If there is the slightest bit of loss of burst for Dalvin Cook, he's done being an elite running back and then you have maybe a 14 or $15 million cap hit poured into someone who can't really dominate anymore. That's the biggest risk. To me, it's not, can they eventually fit everything in? Because with all the draft picks, they probably can. Right. It's, you are you are risking what you could have done with that money instead on the free agent market if you sign them to I a just contract. I just think what you went through, I think, is more predictable. So if they were to sit you down and say, here's our, here's our philosophy and offensive life. Stefan Diggs can go, because yes, he's good, but here's what we like to do. So if Zim tells you, Matthew Collar... I like to run the football. You know that. So here's what I think. I think your advice would be, Mike, that's all well and good, but given what you're going to have to do, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I just see this report. Rams are willing to trade Todd Gurley. So there you kind of I saw Tampa have, Bay have the example as a potential there. landing yeah, spot. There. Well, I mean, Tampa Bay should be just going crazy for whatever they can bring in for this year. But that is your risk. Now, the other side of that is you signed Kirk Cousins to a contract extension. You can't take away any more of his weapons. You already traded yes. his best weapon. Yes. And the other thing that's weird, too, with this team is if you think Delvin Cook is your centerpiece, then you sign your quarterback to a massive contract. I, I guess that's the one that doesn't really add up to me. If the head coach thinks that Delvin Cook is his main player and that's they're going to run a ton and that's what they want, and Kubiak thinks that, too, then you should be able to spend... Oh, we have some Vikings news real quick. Yeah. Um, the Vikings are terminating the contract of Josh Klein. So there's another offensive line move that goes bust. Every year we have that talk, right, where I tell you that signing free is agent that the talk? offensive linemen. Is that the yes, Vikings talk? That is the it's talk. A very different talk yep. than the normal No, talk. it's not. Jonathan, I yeah, need you to sit down. It's not birds, talk, it's not birds and bees. It's <laughs> bums and busts. And uh, It's good. Like the same yep. thing. Yep. It is, uh, That's a liner right there. That's not, some type of yep. I like it. So, so Josh Klein didn't Josh watch out. Klein is out. Let's see real quick because I have thirty well, you, seconds. I believe you show. called that for me last year when they signed him. So, of course. So who's the? He uh, wasn't good with Tennessee the year before. So Pat Elfline's still here. Who's the right? 
And that might change, too. Then. I yeah, think, so that, I think that's going to change, too. I think they're going to cut Pat Elfline also. Um, right. How much is this worth? Can I get this? Okay, that's... Oh, my. This is not good. This... <laughs> This is going to be four and a half million bucks in dead cap and only one point five in savings. What? What are they? Why are you doing this then? Because he's not good. That's why. Okay. Well, there you have it. I got nothing. What to a say. day! All right, tear it down. Normal times. Tear I come up with down. a smart Alec remark. All right. I'm not going to Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next. Need a gift idea for the outdoor adventure in your life? Shop the Allbirds Mizzle Collection, made with water-repellent puddle guard technology and ZQ-certified merino wool with a low environmental impact. It's a natural fit for winter runs. And Allbirds offsets the carbon footprint to make their Mizzle Collection carbon neutral, so you can take comfort in treading lighter. Get on their nice list this year with the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com.